Welcome back, everyone, to the next edition of the FCC podcast. It is your current commissioner and host, Kirk Swanner. Joining me today is also our number one coach that we all love to hate, uh, maybe number two coach we love to hate at the moment, Mr. Uh, Evan Haig. Evan, how you doing, sir? Good, Kirk. Good to have, have me on again. I appreciate you being along for the ride. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So today's episode, I'm personally really going to enjoy. Uh, I'm sure the optics of it from the outside is going to look like I'm being a complete homer. But, uh, you know, with my alma mater going undefeated, uh, I can't think of a better guest to have on this week other than Mr. Michael Gomez. Mike, how are you doing today, sir? Uh, lovely Friday in Tallahassee, so I cannot complain. Right. So, uh, First round by the quarterfinals, but you still got some games coming down the pike. Also, Tallahassee men's is hosting. So you got two matches coming up here tomorrow, right? Yeah. So we have our uh, our reserve side playing against uh, the Ragin' Cajuns from uh, Louisiana Lafayette. And then Tallahassee men's will be hosting Okapi. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's great that you got your reserve grade playing in the, uh, in the quarterfinals here. So let's kind of dig back to how we got to where you're at today, you know, like what are some of the things that helped you get to, to where you're at? What do you think are some of the, some lessons that we can try, probably kind of glean off here. Um, so my first question is um, from like a macro perspective is like, did what, what did you focus in on the preseason and did that help or hurt going into the regular season? So, um, doesn't matter where we are in uh, in the in the preseason, regular season, postseason. Doesn't matter. Um, you know, training plans uh, have to adhere to to my coaching philosophy. And the first tenet of my coaching philosophy is is fun above all else. You know, so if you go in with that, you know, that mindset, right? Like, what's you know, if you ask me what my focus is, well, I guess ultimately my focus is having fun, is making sure these these kids have fun. Um, but in terms of actual, you know, actual rugby, um, you know, very basic, you know, from the from the outset, um, you know, uh, just like absolute basics, you know, it didn't even look like rugby. Um, and I think what really helped us out was uh, maybe like a few years ago, you know, stuff like that. Uh, we had guys who were kind of feeding off previous year's success. So when we started the year you know, every year we start at the beginning and when we would start at the beginning of the year with the basics, they would kind of just shrug it off, you know, not think it's important, think they were better than that. Um, and this year we just had it like, you know, it, it was our first year back, you know, everyone was in the same place coming out of COVID. Um, you know, the, 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 the training sessions were fun. So the older players didn't really mind that they were just working on basics. They didn't really care that they weren't playing touch, that they were playing, you know, netball and ultimate frisbee uh it, it, it didn't matter because we had we had guys at training everyone was was working on skills without even realizing it um and and getting a good run around you know finishing practice sweaty breathing hard and and realizing that yeah they they did end up getting better so when you say keep it fun that sounds like some hippy dippy nonsense let's all sit in a corner you know sit in a circle and sing kumbaya like how do you keep things fun but yet still focus on competition or do I, you i mean competition is fun um you know like 
if you tell someone, hey, come out and play rugby, you know, you're going to be throwing a lot of stuff at the wall. Um, but ultimately, you're just going to be throwing guys who have fun by playing sports, have fun by being outside, you know. Um, so by, by, by fun, you're not mean like they're still losers, right? Like you're just putting constraints into situation, like more right, like game right. type situation I mean, as opposed to drills where there's outcomes, winners and losers. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like uh, one of, okay. So one of, you know, and coaches feel free to steal this. Um, but like something that was very, uh, something that was a staple of, of, of training in the preseason was grids. And basically I just made 10 by 10 meter grids, uh, nine grids total so that there would be eight squares and then one in the middle. Um, and I would have four players per square. So if, if we had, sometimes we had trainings with more than 32 players and I'd have to add on like a couple of extra squares to the grid. Um, but for the most part, right, like I would be able to stand in the middle grid and be able to see every, all 32 players in action. And I mean, something as simple as just, all right, you know, grab a partner and you guys are just gonna, you guys are going to wrestle. We're going to do different wrestling drills and it's competitive. You're, you're, you're competing physically against another human being. Um, but I mean, it's also fun. It's like, Hey, like, let me, let me see if I can get this guy's hands out from underneath him and, and get him to fall flat on his face. Um, but it, you know, but it is competitive because you don't want the same thing to happen to your, to, to yourself. Um, but I mean, just like the amount of drills that we did in grids was, was, I mean, was, we, we did almost everything in those grids to start off with. I mean, kids learn how to tackle in those grids. They learned how to pass in those grids. They learned how to ruck in those grids. They learned how to maul in those grids. Um, and by keeping it just like four guys, it was like, all right, like person one, pick up the ball, run into that person at the other end of the grid. And then other two guys, you guys got to recycle the ball or, and then we would turn it into two on two games, you know, uh, three on one games and just keep it in the grid, keep people moving. You know, it's not fitness if there's a ball involved. So, um, yes, yes. It, 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 the competition is what drives the fun, right. But people aren't going to be competitive unless it is fun. So the big nugget that I took out of there was 32 kids of practice. That's a dream uh, for a lot of us. Um, was that pretty consistent through the fall and into the spring? And where are you guys tracking out at the moment and, and practice numbers and so on? Because I, I feel like that's it's from an outsider's perspective, looking at you guys, it's one of the, the big jealousy points is the size of your squad pertains to rapid development because of the size of it. Yeah. Um, so we averaged slightly higher numbers in the fall. Um, in the fall, we had 65 different people attend training. Um, whereas in the spring, we've only had about 55 different individuals attend training. Um, but average numbers, uh, you know, around, around the thirties. Um, pretty good. And you're taking stats every day, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I take attendance every single day. And then what about the cats that don't or show up to training? What do you do there? So, um, yeah, funny enough. I mean, there was, there was one guy who showed up one day, um, and, you know, kind of had my eyes on him. I was like, all right, like this, this guy has, is getting it. He, you know, he, he's got good size. He's got good skills and he just kind of up and disappeared. So I sent him an email like, Hey, you know, 
let me, you know, we'd love to have you back out. What's going on? Uh, he didn't write me back. So I actually sent him a, another email again. And, uh, you know, he responded, said, oh, hey, you know, I'm sorry I didn't reply. Um, it's just hard for me to get a ride out there. And so I asked him where he lived. And uh, sure enough, like there was, you know, you have those guys who are at training every day early. And uh, he just so happened to live next to one of those guys. I said, hey, you know, Jackson, can you give David a ride to training? And sure enough, uh, David's been out ever since. Um, so so, I, think, so you're... I think that's something I did. I was going to say, that's something I did a lot better this year um, was just if, if someone showed up and they were someone that we wanted, if they didn't show up again, I was definitely, you know, sending them a text like, hey, what, you know, that, you know, thanks for coming out. Are you, are you still interested in rugby? And, you know, you definitely had your fair share of guys who were like, no, it's just not for me. Um, no, I'm going to walk on to the football team, you know, or just, yeah, just people, you know, it, we're, we're selling leisure here. So it's not really uh, something that everyone can afford or something that everyone wants to commit to. But, you know, if you don't, if you don't put someone, if you don't put the decision to commit in front of someone, then they're always going to take the easy way out. So, but my point is that like, you're, how much time does it take for you to take attendance at the beginning of training? I don't take attendance at the beginning of training. When I have take? a savant like memory and I do it at the end. Okay. Okay. Great. So how long does it take for you to take <laughs> attendance? Uh, 30 seconds. But you have a depth chart with everyone's name on it, or how do you like what? Correct. I have I, yeah. So I have I have a roster. I have a, an attendance sheet, and uh, you know you show up to training. Boom, you get added. You get added on at the end. Um, if you if you get registered, then I collate the sheet so you get alphabetized into it. And then uh, if you have dues, right, you get that annotation as well. But so so that's kind of how I know who my core and who my fringe are. Right. Because, uh, you know, you'll see like a long alphabetized list of names in bold. And those are guys who are coming to training and are sipped. And then you'll have guys at the bottom end and it's not alphabetized. And it's just kind of like, all right, these are guys on the fringe. They're maybe they're coming to one in, you know, one in every three trainings. Um, you know, maybe they've played in the match. Maybe they haven't yet. Um, but how much, but, how much, how much time does it take you to do this? like on a daily basis, uh, minimal. Okay. And then, uh, and then you also put an effort to reach out to folks to get feedback and follow up with kids. So, I mean, that's probably, I mean, Evan, have, have you ever, do you do that type of effort? We don't go to that kind of detail. I'm, I certainly don't track attend in terms of tracking attendance on a spreadsheet. I don't do that. Um, I'm a little bit like Gomez. I know who's been a practice and who hasn't mine depth of numbers is not the same as Mike. So it's a little easier. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really, like when you're dealing with a roster size of his, I think it's a really important thing. It also helps you, the way I could visualize it probably really helps him understand who his core guys are. Sometimes you, earlier, the earlier you could go in the season, I would imagine the earlier you know who your core players are, who you're really working towards building the group out with the better it is because then you can just work on your strengths and weaknesses and what, what game plan you need to play and all of that, you know? So I, I'd imagine that helped you a lot, right? Mike early on in the season, trying to really understand who those were and then how, who you needed to build your team around. Um, yes and no, because 
like, yes, you kind of recognize, all right, this is who's back. But no, because if you looked at our selections from the fall to our selections in the spring, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's quite, you know, it's quite a stark difference. I mean, we had a couple of guys who graduated in the fall. We had a guy go study abroad in the fall. We had guys who played in the fall that just said, Hey, like I'm done. You know, I don't, I don't want, you know, thank you, but no. Um, and then of course you have injuries, right? Like I don't have to go on that too much. Every, I know every club's had their fair share. Um, but yeah, it definitely gave you a good layout. You know, Kirk said a, a depth chart, right? Like having people by position, um that actually that went out the window <laughs> that one you know i did have a depth chart but that one went out the window after three weeks because you know all of a sudden your your fourth prop turns into your first lock you know um that that you know that flanker becomes a center that wing becomes your fullback that you know we had we had guys listed at wings that have now been playing nine ten fifteen the most important spots on the field um but it did it it did definitely Helped me get a look at my spine, you know, like my two, eight, nine, 10, 15, um, mm -hmm. which, you know, which, which uh, we're pretty, we're pretty fortunate that our, our 10 and 15 are two guys who have been playing here at Florida state for four years. Our two is, is a third year player. Um, so when half of your spine are guys who've been playing, who played with you during the COVID year, um, it was easier to build around them. And then, you know, with your forwards, you just kind of, you know, you throw stuff at the wall, you experiment, you put guys in positions to succeed. And then you just, you just push that development. You push that development, and try and forge a better team. So my million dollar question is you guys have the best defense in the league. <laughs> what are some of the, secrets the the Mike, the Mike Gomez juices that you can tell us all about um what really formulates your kind of defensive work because that, that's that's pretty obvious through your results it it, it it I I to I wish I wish I could I had a secret sauce to tell you guys about um I honestly I believe it's just a a product of the competition and training because guys know that they're you know I'm not you know Hey, if you can can make your make your sticks and and tackle for 80 minutes, you know you've got a spot on the Michael Gomez roster. Um, you're an incredibly skilled player. Um, you you know you have great fitness, but you're out there grabbing people's jerseys. All right, you know get some minutes on the reserve grade side. Show me that you're willing to put the shoulder into people, and and bang, you know you're gonna have the results you see. So I think. I think just, you know, selection criteria is, is what kind of, you know, puts the guys out there. I'm, I'm confident in the tackling ability. I'm confident in the physicality of the guys that I'm going to put out there. Um, and if I'm not, then I'm going to put them in a spot where, where they might not be as, as uh, attacked as much. But I mean, when, when you're 10 and 15 are the ones calling things out, right. It, again, it helps that they're both four-year players at Florida state, um, Ryan Fowlesway played with the Cape Pirates here in Florida. Kieran O'Keefe um, played out in, in a, at Golden Gate in San Francisco. So um, I can't say I've I've been you know their only rugby coach, but uh, you know they've had a chance to grow and develop and and they've had four spots. years of what four years of what you expect, and I and I think that's a really important factor there. It's like I'm sure they're able to help communicate to the players what the 
standards that you expect out of a player that wants to play in the first team for Florida State, you know, and yeah, like, and I've spoken to you on a Friday or uh, it's probably more like a Thursday, a selection, you say we had a selection meeting, like, so who, who sits on your selection committee? Do you have a formalized way that you like to do it? Like what, how does that work for you guys? Yeah. You're such a deep so, roster it's probably going to be more of a challenge than anybody else. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of coaches complain about injuries and unavailabilities where to me, they're kind of a secret blessing. Uh, cause they let me go to bed earlier on Thursday. Um, but the selections meeting, uh, ever since I've taken over as coach, um, selections are Thursday nights after training, um, with all of the coaches that are involved. Um, and we just, I mean, yeah, we just sit around and we, we, we bounce ideas off each other. We have the attendance sheet up. So it's like, Hey, you know, this guy was there all week. You know, this guy was only there once, but you know, but he's paid his dues. So it's like, okay. So then we, you know, we just kind of go back and forth and we, you know, we, we fill stuff out based off of what we need, based off of what we have. And um, again, and then, and then, then also something that is, you know, I talked about like, you know, Hey, if you can hit, you know, you, if you can make your tackles, if you can play defense, you have a spot, but something else that I, I talk to the players a lot about is functional roles. And I you know, I say, Hey, if you want to find yourself on the field, you got to start filling out some, you know, the more functional roles you can fill, uh, the more likely you are to get on the pitch. Like, all right, you're a forward, you know, you can jump and lift as well as, you know, run the whole type five in the scrum. Like you're probably getting on there, you know, all right, you can only jump, you can't lift and you can only be a flanker. All right. You know, maybe again, let's get you on the reserve grade side. Let's get you some meaningful minutes and, and start, you know, adding tools to your toolbox. Um, so, so yeah, when we, do, when we do our selections, we just think about that. Like who are we going to, you know, who's going to be our reserve, you know, number 16. All right. Well, who can do this? Who can do that? You know, if this person goes down, how, you know, what's our substitution policy, stuff like that. And, uh, and yeah, you know, having, having that depth, having that depth and competition makes it really hard to make selections. So, uh, you know, it's interesting you're bringing up like, your, your messaging to the players is saying that you've got to be able to hit, right? Like that's one of the things that you value a lot, right? And then, um, you know, I say that your messaging has to be consistent and then your messaging also needs to be in line with how the players are actually going, right? So then you can't sit here and say one thing without being able to crunch film and make sure that's actually happening, right? right? So how much film are you watching and then, like, are, are you then crafting your messaging back to that or you have your game plan and then you're just looking for that in the film and you're giving feedback to the players, right? Because if you're saying one thing, but it's not actually reality, like you're going to lose players, right? So, yeah, yeah. So how much, uh, how much films do I watch? Like not as much as I should, you know. Um, I would say uh, the most I've watched one match would be like three times. Um, and... And honestly, my, my biggest weak spot is like maybe like film editing, like right, being able to come up with a comprehensive film session. Um, I did that one time. It's um, tough. It's not easy. Yeah, it's, it's really tough. It's really tough. But what I have been able to do is specifically text individual players like, hey, look at this timestamp. Look at this timestamp. Look at this timestamp. So like, I, you know, I had a guy that I was like, hey, you're being too timid on defense. And this is coming from like one of our bigger guys who does 
lay the wood on people and is really strong. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, look, like, look at the, like, look at this, these three clips and tell me what your, what your first action is when the ball comes out. I'm like, sure enough, you'd see the ball get spun out and his first step is sideways. I'm like, that's your football habit. You know, you're slow playing to the ball. I need you to come up. And he was just like, well, what do you mean coach? Like, even if the ball's going away from you, I'm like, yeah, your first steps need to be up and then you can start shifting out because, you know, then we'll start suffocating them on defense. And then when they come and, you know, when they get scared of seeing the other guy out there, they try and cut it back rather than cutting it back to you on flat footed, you're up in their face. And he, he took that with him and, and you could see in the, in, in his progression that like, yeah, he was coming up more. Um, same thing. I mean, even, you know, and I'm, I've been able to do that with young guys. I've also been able to do that with our older guys. You know, we have uh, another flanker who this is his third, fourth year. And I was like, you know, like, hey, like, look at this clip. Like, you kind of just stood there. But if you had ran this line that I know you know how to run, you know, boom, like that's your second. That's going to be your second try of the season rather than you just kind of you know, filling into your forward role of, okay, I'm going to watch that ball go to this guy and I'm going to ruck, you know? So it, it definitely highlights the opportunities that I would say that's been our, been our, my biggest theme in film analysis is showing the guys missed opportunities. Like, yeah, you guys are good, but you're not that great because look at this. So Mike, do you see, just to clarify, you don't do group film sessions where you review the film within that uh we did it we've done it once maybe twice this year okay okay so and i'm just gonna i'm more asking from a uh, perspective of a fellow coach like what what makes it difficult for you is it the fact that you can't get everybody in the room is it the fact that uh, you yeah, don't so, know what to review like what, what, do, what do you what are you struggling with because i from so my own perspective it, I, I yeah go ahead yeah it's, it's a combo of things right so like you know one time, like, let's like, I know there was one time that I had one planned out and, you know, like there was just like been this miscommunication with campus rec where I asked, you know, I asked the student leaders, Hey, let's get the room. Mm -hmm. And when they go to ask the people at campus rec say, Oh yeah, you can just use it. No problem. And then we get to the field and then the people at the field are like, no, you have to reserve this. Um, and you know, that's, you know, yep. it's when you start pulling your hair out because you're just staring at an empty room. Um, right. <laughs> so, you know, you know, that's, you know, Hey, like, you know, we're not immune to the issues that everyone else has. So that happens. Um, also as well as like, you kind of, you know, with, with the attendance sheets, right. You kind of start to figure out which are your, you know, what are your days? So, I mean, I have like two to three starters that, you know, or guys who have been starting that, you know, they have class on Monday. So I know they're only Tuesday, Thursday guys. Well, then I know that there's guys who are only Monday, Thursday guys. And then I know that, you know, so you kind yeah. of tend to figure out what's your best attendance day. And it's just, you know, just the way that this year shakes out our, our best attendance day is Thursday. Um, and, you know, maybe like, maybe I could do a, a film session to start that day off. You know, it's like, Hey, look, this is what we need to work on from last week. But honestly, by third, by the Thursday before Saturday match, you know, everyone's already Late. forgotten about it. Yeah. Um, we also do, um, specific like sports psychology mental skills stuff on thursday with our consultants so i mean if we did a film session plus that you know you're looking at maybe just over an hour of training on a thursday and you know that's that's your install day that's your that's your prep day so really it's just kind of just a focusing on on you know picking and choosing what you're going to do type thing 
Evan, when you do film, you do it remotely, don't you, on Mondays? Um, I used to, and then we got rid of it because it's the same story as what Mike's talking about. Um, it's attendance, finding the right time. To be honest, the biggest factor on time is me. My having a baby sucks up the most amount of time, and I want to spend time at home with my family. So I, I pick and choose my moments. So what I did this year, because I find film as a group to be one of the most beneficial things that we can do because it's what's coming out of my mouth and what's coming out of my brain. I think it's going through the players is not, but then if I can illustrate it on film. So what we did is the Tuesday after practice, um, we'll watch film and quite often I'll have the opposition's film of, cause this year has been great about sharing and we'll review their film and then we'll review our film. So we'll view it in the context of, Hey, this is what they do this is what we did wrong this last week. So this is what we need to adjust around that. And, and to be honest, we didn't even do a lot of film review until probably the Florida state game, which was the, you know, it was a really difficult game for us, but it was a great reviewing game for us to read and assess. And that's when we could really double down. And because film is really about refining some of the components and getting some of the, the processes in place. So um, I just found after practice, we just did it. And whoever showed up, showed up. And the people who got the most benefit out of were the people that were there. And I just, I felt like it was very needed, but I'm also very specific in my film. I, the hate thing I hate the most is sitting there and pressing play and then stopping the film and going, okay, yeah, look what we did wrong in this play. Look what we did wrong in this play. Look at these improvements. I just pick out five attacking things, five defensive things, five, maybe I don't even worry about set piece because set piece gets dealt with individually. And those kind of components that we just, break down the timestamps of those so I can get film done in 30 to 40 minutes um, with all the talk and all that. So the timestamps is the critical one. So if you write your notes, timestamps, point out the attributes that you want, point out the things that the opposition are likely going to deliver in this next game. And you can kind of, you can really make it a very beneficial thing. Yeah. What I always found hardest about doing film sessions was that, yeah, I had to watch the film like three times to do it at, you know, like I watch it the first time. Yep. I watch it the second time to get timestamps and, um, or I watch the second time to get like tendencies. And then I go back and watch the third time to get the timestamps of those tendencies. And then I yep. go cut it. And like a 10 minute film session would be a 45 minute chat. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's pretty much my, so I call it watching it for content. So you watch the first game to relive the moments, get the feelings, make sure that what you remembered out of the game. I didn't write notes. I talked to my coaches after the match and I go, what were the three or four things? And we just have some notes on that. And then I go back. I'm, I'd like to hit, say I'd hit it on Sunday, but it's usually Monday at some stage and I'll review it, pull it apart, review it, write down notes, post that. And then I'll pull it apart. And then usually Tuesday, right before practice, I'm banging out my last third one, skipping through the parts that I know that I want to get my timestamp. So like, there's no way, like Mike, you're saying watch three times, three times is a luxury. We don't have time like that. So yeah. it's, it's oh, basically... No. It's everybody watches it for content and then it's, and then it's like trying to pull it to part, you know, like, cause it's in an ideal world, we use quick cuts, which can be coded and we're still working on that. So I might, one of my assistant coaches can code it so we can go to every single line out and just hit line outs and every single one of our line outs can pop up and we can quickly review those and see our tendencies and we can do all of that. How much we actually utilize that is pretty minimal at this time, but it's a nice feature for us to have if we want to have it. So like those are, that's what coding does. But the reality is, is when I watch it half the time, I'll just rip it kind of timestamps and I will, I'll just go to that film during the, during the, during the meeting to that exact timestamp that I want, because I, I have no time to cut it or edit it. I just write down the timestamp. 
So uh, my other question for you, Gomez is so obviously really good defense, like from the season from again, the whole macro perspective, like what did you focus on first, right? Like you could, cause you're not gonna put the entire complete package in week one. Right. So like, did you have a, a plan of like what you want to do the first, like what you wanted to have accomplished in the preseason, what you wanted to accomplish the first couple of weeks, were there times that you wanted to be peaking like before spring break and then now going into the play? Like what did you have like a macro uh, plan for the, for the season? Yeah. Um, I would say I had more of a, a, more of a macro plan for the preseason, right? Like, you know, it's like, okay, you know, skill buildup, um, you know, introduction of macro concepts. Um, but the biggest thing is, 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 you know, just being organized in what it is that you want. So, you know, I came up with, you know, like we had an attacking structure, but then on top like, but really, you know, we had our attacking structure. Yeah, sure. We had our defensive structure, but what we had be- behind those was our principles of play. And so, I mean, I remember, you know, our first, you know, our first uh, preseason match was against Miami and with the first great side, I said, all right, this is going to be our first principle of play. And, you know, we've got four, you know, we've got three or four other ones, but we're just going to focus on this first one for this week. And then, you know, then all of a sudden you've got a second preseason match coming up. And you're like, okay, look, you know, and, th- and that's actually when we had our big film session. And afterwards I said, Hey, look, like this is when we did our first principle of attack really well, really well, really bad, really well. Um, so you, so you had I, like four principles and you had four preseason matches. So every week you've, you just built on another one. Simple as that. All right. So then that, so that was your, so you did both an attack and a defense principle play or just one or yeah, the other? Yeah, both, both. I did both. Okay. So then by the end of the preseason, you had like the basis of your attack and, stru- and your defense structure in place, right? Yeah. So that, yeah. Then, whether, whether it was being performed or not is, is different, but right. But the ideas were out there and like then they've been, they've been realized. So then like in going into the season, did you focus more on defense first and then build out the attack? Did you do a little bit of attack? go hard on the defense or you're just building all of it at the same time really just yeah just building it all at the same time i mean uh you know came back came back from the break you know touched on the basics very quickly um because we did have like a little influx of um of new guys but then really it's just kind of i would say just kind of building out of the set piece right so making sure your forwards can can retain possession as well as put pressure on the other team to retain possession. And then, you know, you have your backs working like, you know, if we get possession, what is it that we're going to do and how do we maximize our possession? And then you just put it together and you have the kids play each other and, and put them in situations constantly um, where they have to, where they have to perform and where they have to perform under pressure. Nice. So then, um, how did you, how do you help replicate pressure in training? Give real life consequences. Um, you know, just. What do you mean real life consequences? It, yeah. Just like, all right. Hey, like you, you know, you guys are down by four and you have two minutes. Okay. Like you lost. Well, like that's it. You, you, training's over. You know, it's eight o'clock training's over. You lost. So like one of the consequences is time. Right. Like, so yeah. they don't oh, no, get, that's, they that's don't the get only... more opportunities. They get yeah. their one shot and that's it. Exactly. And that's, and, and that's, you know, you could definitely tell how that, um, 
how that builds up your, your both, both of your sides. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that every Thursday we've got at least 15 on 15, you know, maybe, maybe sometimes we'd have to drop down like 15 on 14 or 13, but nothing like that. And then, you know, you get your first side going, it's like, all right, you know, I'm going to give you guys X amount of time to have an attacking line out inside the 22 run it. You messed up back to it. You know, however many reps you get is going to be based off of your guys' ability to hustle. And however many tries you get is going to be based off of your guys' ability to perform. If you're not happy with the results after your time limit, well, turn around, play defense and get it back. Nice. So what, if any lessons have you learned this year that you're definitely going to keep moving forward for the future? Ah, that's a good one. Um, retention, retention starts with myself. Um, I think that's, that's a big one. I mean, elaborate uh, when your retention starts with yourself. Retention starts with me. If I notice that someone, like if someone comes out to training, great, whether it was, you know, whether it was a social media post, whether it was a recruitment fair, whether it was one person talking to another at the gym, something brought them there and I have to be the reason why they stay at first, right? Because we can talk about culture. We can talk about camaraderie. We can talk about the brotherhood aspect of rugby, but I mean, I know the three people in this conversation as well as anyone else listening knows that you don't join a brotherhood on day one, right? You don't become a part of a brotherhood on day two, day three, day four. So so you're, Training, you're talking about like the trainings that you're running. So they need to be fun and they need to be engaging. That's what you mean by retention starts with you? That as well as, I mean, if, if even if I had a shitty training session, I need to talk to those brand new kids. I need to find out their names. I need to find out where they're from. I need to find out what their interests are, what they're studying. Um, you know, I, I, uh, we took, when we He's- took our bus trip down to FAU, uh, the guys were blown away because I named every, it was a 56 passenger bus and I named every single person and their hometown. And this isn't, these aren't 30 minute conversations we have with each person brand new. No, right? no, 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 no. 30 seconds. I mean, we call them micro interactions for a reason. Uh, you know, it depends, you know, you might have a talkative guy. You might have a guy that you feel like you really need to talk to. Like maybe someone who is struggling mentally, someone who is, uh, a little quieter who does, you know, you kind of need to pull their teeth out a little bit to get them to talk. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, these are the, you know, I'm having multiple conversations like this in the 20 minute lead up to training and the 20 minutes after training, I'm having at least four or five of these conversations. What's a lesson that you learned this year that you're not going to take forward? Like what's a, like a fit, like something that you that you tried to implement didn't work and you, you realize it and you're not going to try that again. Ah, that's a good one. Um, you got, I'll say you really got me, you really got me thinking off the top of my head. I mean, I just know that there are things like there are drills we tried. There are in, and they, they just get thrown out so quickly that they don't even stick in my head. You know, I don't even, you know, the bad stuff, you know, you don't kind of remember it because you try and remember only the good, um, to carry forward, but, um, things not to do, um, yeah, uh, that's cool, man. No biggie. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, okay. I got one that it might strike a nerve, but, um, <laughs> don't leave and 
and don't leave the most important administrative duties to students. Right. Agreed. <laughs> field, field requests. Field I, requests. I thought... Scheduling. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to go off on a little bit here. But oh. absolutely <laughs> not. Like, absolutely not in a million years should you let students who have never planned a macro schedule for your team decide the macro schedule for your team by setting up your preseason. Amen, Mike Gomez, speaking the truth. The students are not allowed to touch my schedule one bit. So (laughs) no way. It's not their fault. They just, they just don't know. And they don't know. Yeah. The biggest issue with, with students is you tell, you tell a student, Hey, we're going to play two matches, a side, B side. What's the first thing out of the mouth? Oh, I don't know if we have the numbers for that. Bullshit. You got 30 guys, you got two matches. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've almost, I've almost had students, whether it be on our team specifically or another team, almost cancel a B-side match. Yeah. So let's talk about develop. Do you have a question, Evan? No, I was just going to say amen to that. Just it, this, the understanding that we lost B-side games at the beginning of the year because the students were like, well, I didn't think we would have B-side games so they didn't book the field for that full amount of time. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I literally have to hold your hand. This is the exact time that I need people here and here. So it's, you, I forgot about that. With the year off for COVID, Mike, coming back, just some of the things where you're like, you just got to stay on top of them. It was, it was mind boggling this year. So let's talk about development, right? Your reserve grade side. Like, did you ever, do you have any games this year? We didn't play two games on a weekend? No. And then how much stock do you put in the reserve grade? Like how much do, do I invest in them? Yeah. They got a brand new set of kit this year. So like, uh, when you're at just for the emerging side. Nice. Yeah. They look sharp. They're all, all garnet. The, um, when you're at training, right. You got your two hours, whatever, how much time are you spending improving the first grade and how much time are you spending improving the reserve grade? It, it goes hand in hand. Any, you know, anything, any time spent improving one, you're improving the other um, with your reserve grade side. Maybe you just need them to work on structure a little more. Maybe you need to pull aside certain individuals to work on skills a little more, but ultimately by the time you're in the spring, you know, like, yes, your, your loose head prop might get better at, like should get better at passing from doing it more often, but ultimately you're not trying to improve him to make that 20 meter skip pass, right? You're improving him to be in those functional roles that he needs to fill for the reserve grade side. And as your reserve grade side gets better, it's only going to push your first 15, your first grade side to get better because they've got competition now. Um, so, so it really goes hand in hand, I would so say. So would you outsource the coaching, the reserve grade to your assistant coaches or would you? No, uh, we, uh, I was going to say, I've, I've, I've been very blessed to have the assistant coach I do have in Austin Morris, but um, it's just right, right now it's just him and I out there. And uh, on some days it's just myself. So there is, there is no, we have, you know, we, we've had very little time of just okay first first grade guys you go over there and work on your stuff emerging guys you go over there and work on your stuff yeah the point i was trying to say is that i was, I was trying to get, see if i get you to draw it out of you is that um if you focus on development right like one way of moving a club forward is to just be developmentally focused 
because if you get the lower guys moving up, it's going to push the top end guys and they'll have to get better or they lose their position. So like, instead of just saying, thinking to myself, like we, we're going to get better. And the way we're going to do it is by, I'm going to focus all my energy on the first grade to make them better. You could take, like when I would coach, I would literally spend 70% of my energy on the reserve grade and 30% on the first grade. And I'd let the assistants deal with the first grade because first grade is easier to coach. Um, and I'd spend all my time in the reserve grade and I would literally only focus on the first grade and competition in playoffs. The rest of the year was all development and I never stopped on that, but, uh, I didn't know if that like was, you still do that or yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely give more of my individual attention to the younger guys. For, I would, I would, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I wouldn't say it's, it's entirely, you know, you can't, right. you can't it's, ignore your nuance. first grade side. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, uh, Nails, yeah, Nails used to have a talk where he was like, uh, all he wanted to do was make the entire club like 1% better every day. If you could do yeah. that, you'll move the entire club forward instead of just focusing on the top tier and trying to make them better. But well, um, and that's and that's part of I'll say that one percent is part of my messaging to the players. I say, you know, hey, how do you get twice as good as you are now? Make a hundred things one percent better. And uh, if you if you have that sort of phrasing, you know, getting better, you know, the smallest improvements will have the biggest change. You know, then all of a sudden those older guys are like are more willing, I would say, are more, more enthusiastic about the base, the drills that are, you know, might seem too basic, you know, but no one, no one should be better than the basics. Right. Yeah. Keeping the uh, first grade guys focused on improving basics is like uh, pulling teeth. So, all right. uh, We're going into the playoffs here this weekend. So um, yeah, like really interesting matchups. I thought the year actually was fantastic. I pulled some of the uh, scoreline differentials and did some statistics. So um, this year in the FCC was by far the most competitive season we've had. 25% of the matches were determined by eight points or less. 50% of the games were determined by 12 points or less. So that scoreline differential is much, much tighter than it has been in the past. Um, when I look at the rest of the other half of the matches, 75% was 22 points. And then the biggest one we had was a 38 point. So, um, what that kind of says to me is that when teams handle pressure they can stay in the game and we can be tight but it seems to me like some of these games kind of slipped away uh so i don't know if that's an issue of like injuries which happened a couple times or if it's like teams not being able to handle pressure um so i think it's going to be interesting here going to the playoffs to see teams how they actually handle handle pressure like knockout pressure um but yeah so like in these uh, in these games going into the weekend who uh gomez who would you least like to be this weekend like which which coach who do you think has the hardest matchup on the weekend oh that's so tough honestly i think uh i mean i have just the utmost respect for for all these teams and and the work everyone's been putting in this year um this has by far been at least my favorite year to coach and i say that regardless of what our wins and losses would have been um but yeah, anyway, these playoffs could have shaped out. I mean, it is super exciting. Um, UNF versus UF, right? Like maybe, you know, I, like I had UF ranked super high in that coach's poll. You know, maybe they, you know, maybe they, their, their win this year is that upset. Um, I, I mean, mean, they, I, they play that last game tight. So I like, they, they were winning at halftime. They, right. I heard they were winning at halftime yeah. or, you know, 
So, um, so yeah, you never know who you're going to get with, uh, with UF. So that's, uh, that's your game of the week here is a UF UNF match. Uh, I, I might, I might have to go with the USF FIU. If that, if I had to give, if I had to say just one match of the week, I'm going to go with that one. Both teams uh, went on a tear in the second half. Um, I think USF's had probably the better turnaround this year they're compared to nig- the other teams. They're an enigma. I cannot wrap my head around <laughs> USF. This yeah, year. yeah. Um, and so I like it, it, it's unfortunate that we are in this state where it comes down to the tra- how well you travel. Right. Like I wish I wish traveling. You know, this is coming from you know the king in the north where everyone has to come four hours up to this way. Um, you know, but I yeah, I hate that. I hate that traveling does take a toll on, on these kids and that, you know, the the maybe maybe the teams aren't putting out the product that they want to be because of travel. Ah, I'm not sure about that. Going I think it'll all be good. Evan, what about you? Uh what are some strengths you see in from any of the teams going into the playoffs or who are you keeping an eye on? Definitely keep an eye on USF. They're uh very very well kind of coming together here they when we played them we were very i was very impressed with some of their their players and i know they added back in michael burton which is a huge threat for them mike burrell um, Mikey burrell. mike burrell so i knew it was a b i was going off memory there kirk thanks for calling me out um but he's he's a try scoring threat they they were when we played them they were one or two passes away from really being a, a huge threat to us and i, I just felt like they were going to click and I think that's what they've started to do. Um, FAU is another one. Um, you know, we have them tomorrow. And, um, you know, I don't like playing. Not that I don't like playing. I thoroughly enjoy playing them. But, they, boy, are they a threat. When they when they want to go and they, and they play, they can be very, very, very good. So, you know, they had a bit of an off day against us. They picked up some injuries. They've continued to pick up injuries. And I just – there's one man in this team league that we all – you know, we all love to hate because he, he's got a mouth on him. But it's, it's definitely – he can get his players up for a big game like this. And that that's definitely something that, uh, you know, we know is coming out our way and they're definitely going to be up for it. So I think those are my two, um, like Gomez, it was, it's interesting. The league is very tight. It's interesting. UNF were great against us round one. I think UF have been a big surprise. I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. Um, maybe they'll just flip the switch on and, uh, and they'll be ready. And they just been foxing the whole season just so they can be ready to go for playoffs. So, Definitely very, very intriguing. And I know Mike's probably having a hard time working out who exactly he's going to end up playing next week because uh, he gets the, the lowest remaining seed. Is that right, Kirk? Yep. Florida State will be hosting the lowest remaining seed. There is one hypothetical where if two and three lose, there's a chance that FAU will have to travel to Florida State and UF will have to travel to FIU. And in that situation, I don't know if it's worthwhile to require 24 hours of total travel time to get two games off or five. Let's not count our chickens just right. yet. Yeah, I yeah. Think, we'll see what happens. I, I think let's, let's see how everything falls. Uh, you know, if I was sitting there and let's see how everything unfolds and then I, it's so hard. It's so unpredictable. And that's the great thing about the league. Like, and so I remember Mike texted me after one of the games. He's like, it's, it's so cool. It's kind of, everything's coming down to the last round of games to know where everything sits. It's, it's yeah. kind of fun. It's kind of fun to see the, the teams is what we envisioned four years ago when we all got together and decided that we needed to create our own conference in Florida. And I think this is, it's paying dividends. Yeah. And I think the, 
this time of year, I think is also a wonderful time to play. Yeah. There's some thunderstorms blowing through tomorrow, but you know, I think the weather's still great. So yeah, I would say in this weekend, the te- the person I would hate to be the most is Evan because, uh, yeah, I feel like you're going to be under the most amount of pressure to perform because if you were to lose to Steve in a playoff game, you are never going to hear the end of that. So, well, I uh, definitely feel the pressure now, cook. Appreciate you, uh, <laughs> but digging F- that right at me. FAU is, I mean, if you take away the forfeits, they're three and three. So that's a whole different ball game. Um, yeah. And you, yeah, a couple injuries. Out, I think they were, they were, they were mid table. They've got injuries. They just, they were, they were, they were good. good last year, yeah, you know, good. like they, and, they're, and they're good this year. They're yeah. very good this year. Like they just, it's just the way the league works. Just whoever shows up and wants to perform that day is, is who's going to get the win. I also think the uh, depth of squads is important, right? Because if you cop some injuries, you need to be, have those next uh, guys up. So I think this is where probably the, the, the bigger rosters help out. So um, yeah, I, I, I've got a couple more stats. We can kind of go over here real quick. So the number of players, total use like Florida state had the most amount of players uh, with 33 that played in the first grade USF had 32. Um, what I did find interesting was that the number of players that dressed either five or six games. So it could be starting or on the bench. Uh, the teams with the most amount was UCF with 16 players that played in five or six games and Florida state with uh, 18. So to me, that seems like you guys had your teams kind of settled more so than others, maybe, maybe not injuries, this and that. So uh, the other stat I found interesting was I actually asked everyone the average attendance rates at training. And so um, what I found interesting was that the Florida State averaged about 32 and they used 33 players on the first grade. So those numbers are roughly the same. UCF, you guys had 25 at average at training and you play with 27. So if your average attendance is the number of players you're using it, to me, that seems like you're probably doing, a, you know, those players are probably getting a lot of benefit and be able to perform well on the day. But uh, those are just some, you know, some stats that I can see from afar and I'm probably just plucking, you know, guessing at straws here, but uh, grasping for straws, I think is the right term. But. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's not causation from the correlate correlation, but I, I do think there are some, points that can be drawn um especially if we looked at all the other teams um because i'm sure i'm sure evan has it the same way right like 25 and 27 and i'm 32 33 you know you have guys that don't miss training but you have guys that only come monday thursday you know you know who's missing your tuesday and then you have a guy who's always there on tuesdays um so that's that's, that's exactly how it works it's and it's just class schedules and our class schedule is the worst because we practice four to six. So it's a prime time for that and people go work, all kinds of stuff. So it's just, it's just the kind of the way it works. And that, that is spot a on. Like, terrible time. Yeah. It, it, and an impact. That's why I hundred percent believe that's why we, we sit at the practice numbers and the, the roster size we do because of that time slot. So it's, it's extraordinarily difficult for the students. Um, they try to manage it, but again, the class is only offered at that time. This class is only offered at that time. So it definitely impacts what we do. I definitely believe with you, Gomez, too, is that like those numbers, the average that go to practice and the average that you, the amount of players that you use, I don't use players that don't come to practice. You know, like they have to come at least once a week. Like that has to be a minimum month, about three. You know, that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a requirement. Like it, 
it's just it's a challenge and even there are plenty of games this season where I didn't backfill my whole 23-man roster, even though I probably took – like Florida State was a good example. I think I only used four reserves, only had four reserves. Some of it is eligibility rated. That's that's another factor there, Kirk. It's also really a challenge too. You know, I think I I have a – I think there's a total roster of, I don't know, it was 36 or something, and there's like 10 players that are ineligible or um, or have some other reason why they can't play. You know, so it's just – it, it's challenging. So those kids, I got to give value to, and that's where Gomez's emerging team is perfect for us because we know that we're going to get a really good game against them, and then I've just got to make fight and scrap to kind of keep because they'll become eligible next year. But I, I can't lose them as a club without them getting to play. Yeah. Speaking of next year, uh, so Gomez, so with Falzoy and O'Keefe, they're seniors. Assuming they're not around next year, are you already planning? Who's going to be those replacements yeah, in the o- spine for next year? O- like, is, is Osher, that Osher Steele, Osher Steele, and Gabe Lopez immediately Osh. come to mind? Okay, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. come on, no, we, yeah, oh yeah, come so, on. So you you got like next year's spine already kind of penciled in? Oh yeah, uh, with yeah. with 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 I mean, with competition, with competition, nice. uh, the better you know, the more you play, you know, the the more positions you should be under. So I mean. You know, we've got the, you know, we've got a lock that it's like, hey, man, like, I I know you've got number eight in your mind. Like, then that means, like, that fitness needs to be in your mind in the summer. Um, you know, guys that want to, guys that want to move around, guys that need to get challenged. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. And then, Evan, what about you? You got your, your spine penciled in for next year? Close to. I'd say mine's a little different we're definitely graduating i think we counted six so mcneil is gone um he's probably one of the bigger losses we've got a a bunch of the other seniors that that have been around a little while um yeah definitely we've we've been thinking through that i feel pretty lucky we've got seven freshmen that are regular starters or key reserve guy reserve play guys that are come that play for us and i think that's when I talk about the spine, that's what that's what I see for us for next year. Those guys really coming through. So I feel pretty confident in the years to come based on that. I love freshmen are my favorite. My, all my players know that. You get me a freshman, you'll warm my heart every single day. All right. Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, best of luck here uh, in the in the playoffs. Um, yeah. I th- I- Keep your eyes open, gentlemen, because I am going to send out uh, a questionnaire. I do want to host, uh, sorry, I want to name a first all-conference team and an honorable mention and a freshman side. So keep your eyes peeled for a Google form to come out. Um, yeah, been, a, been an incredible season. Unfortunately, Evan and I did try to organize some bowl games. Um, we did work behind the scenes. That did not end up working out in our favor. Uh, still opportunities for that in the future we'll continue to push for that um also want to try to get you guys everyone down for a summit in-person chat down on april 30th down there with in conjunction with the high school national high school championships um i do think in-person helps us out quite a bit as opposed to phone conferences i think the zoom calls are just too sterile uh but i would love for us to be able to recap what we've done for four years in the fcc and then looking ahead for the future we can talk about d1a d1aa all that type of stuff i would really like to show what d1aa looks like you know like i don't 
like we can pull up the conferences and look at the teams. We can pull up the conferences in D1A and look at that and see how that looks out or how that kind of pans out where we would fit in. Cause I think there's an opportunity there for us to fit in really nicely. Uh, also I have been refing D1A matches. So I can tell you what the standard is that they're at. I'd say facility wise in Florida, we are pretty close, you know, like, uh, what UCLA and Cal state's, um, sorry, UC Santa Barbara and Cal Poly, uh, San Luis Obispo. I've been there complexes. I've been to Claremont, uh, San Cal state long beach. So I think the facilities we have in Florida are pretty, pretty on point. Uh, just where, where we want to go from there and you know, how, how do we get there? So if you guys can all make it down there, it'd be great. Uh, other than that, have a great, uh, good, best of luck in the playoffs. Mm-hmm.